Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, December 2nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Going to try to do a 30-30 split here, talking college football and then college basketball on today's show. And of course, probably as we get deeper into the college basketball season, maybe more of a 35-25 hoops, 40-20 hoops, something like that. And we'll talk about the reasons why here. As we get into today's show, a few quick reminders right off the top. Bet $1, win $100 in free bets over at BetMGM Sportsbook on Sunday for the NFL matchups here in week 13. Got a lot of great content over at ATS.io. And we'll be covering the different sportsbook promotions as their emails start making the rounds here on Wednesday. We'll talk about plenty of weekend promotions at PointsBet and DraftKings, and William Hill, and all throughout the industry for new signups in the states that have those sports books at present. Make sure you download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or you can head over to ATS.io, click on the buttons on the ATS app page on your mobile device. It will take you to a direct link to download that app. And if you are searching for it in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, Search against the spread as ATS is actually a fairly common name for trucking apps and, and other things like that. But with that, we bring on professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's going pretty good, man. This is a busy time of the year here uh, with the overlap between all football and college basketball starting. But uh, so busy, but uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, it is a very busy time of year to say the least. Unfortunately, our weather's shitty, so we got plenty of time to. Uh, you know, be inside here at this time of the year. But we'll start on the college football side, and we'll start with the point that I teased in the intro to the show here today in that we're going to start spending more time on college basketball from this week forward. Obviously, we have no idea what we're going to get for bowl games, who's going to go to them, what we'll have for the college football playoff as those rankings came out for the first time yesterday. But the thing about college football at this time of the year is Even in a COVID season, we kind of know what we're working with right now. So more opportunities probably present on the college basketball side. Yeah, I think things are a little bit more static in college football than what they are in college basketball now. And, you know, there are more edges to be had in a sport where, you know, there's been one game played and the team's playing different than they did last year than there are in a game in a season where even with COVID, like you said, you know, college football You know, we've got quite a few data points to know what teams are. Uh, You know, I think college football is one where I'm going to go fairly low volume, at least for me, the rest of this season. I've been really up and down in college football, as I've said, really bad in NFL so far this year. But um, pretty good start for me in college basketball. And uh, I feel like, you know, there are some edges to be had there, especially with, I mean, there's 357 teams. So there's got to be some edges in this small team. That's why we'll talk about a lot of them. Well, it's definitely tough. You know, I mean, there, there's no transition time for these seasons. They definitely overlap quite a bit. And, you know, that's even this year with, you know, the NBA playoffs kind of going into October, NHL playoffs, same thing. Not having those two sports going on, which people are generally handicapping at this point in time. You know, this is the fall is just, it's a rough time of the year. And, you know, unfortunately, we love what we do. But at the same time, you know, there's no transition time. You just go from one sport to the next. And you got to try and isolate where your biggest edges are. And for right now, you know, I certainly agree with you. It's it's not college football. It's not the NFL. It's college basketball. 
Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, totals in college basketball is where I think the biggest edges. I really think there are some edges even uh, ATS wise in college basketball. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean that there's no value to be found in college football. And I will have some plays there. I think we'll still have some thoughts as far as regression analysis and, uh, you know, things that go into this that could still give us some value. Uh, it's it's complicated this year because of COVID and knowing who who might be out for certain games and which game might get canceled. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard for us because, you know, we kind of hope that a, a game that we talk about isn't one of them that gets canceled for the weekend. But um, I, I still think we'll have some good thoughts here for college football. And I do like bowl season a lot. I think, you know, I'm looking forward to bowl season. I know it's going to look different this year, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we definitely will. And again, you know, we see more players deciding to call it a season here. We've seen more guys opt out over the last few days, and and this will probably continue to be a thing. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of players that don't bother playing the bowl game. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to talk about as well. And, you know, one of the things that I was able to do doing a solo Monday show usually is sort of take care of some of the things that I noticed over the weekend, some of my power ratings adjustments, all of that. Well, this week, driving back from South Carolina on Monday, not able to do that Monday show. So we got quite a few notes here coming out of the weekend. And you know, again, right now, the, the market is, is pretty efficient at this point in time with college football. There are you know certainly some areas of concern with teams that have COVID, teams that have had games canceled recently because of COVID, all of that. But otherwise, if you've got as close to a true handicap as possible – probably not going to find a whole lot of equity in that line. So you have to handicap the game based on, you know, matchup analysis, some regression signs, stuff like that. So we got some things to talk about here in that regard. And I'll go ahead and start with one that I noticed from the Mac last week. And this has been what a three or four year trend now under Chris Creighton, where Eastern Michigan is very competitive, far more competitive than they were uh, several years ago but they still cannot get out of their own way in close games against central Michigan last weekend. They led 23 to 21 with 435 left, gave up 17 points in the final four and a half minutes. And the last three drives for Eastern Michigan went fumble interception interception. And and this has just kind of been their MO in close games. Yeah, no, a terrible beat for Eastern Michigan betters. That was a really bad one. Um, you know, Eastern Michigan finds ways to to make games close. And in this one, they ended up blowing it at the end of the game. But, you know, if you've taken Eastern Michigan as an underdog for the last few years, you've done well. Now, in this one, you got burned. But, you know, I still think Eastern Michigan, probably a team you'd rather bet on than against if they're getting points. Uh, but I, I think Eastern Michigan is a little bit weaker than they've been the last couple seasons. Now, you sent over some notes that you picked up on as well, and, and you've got a few other games in the MAC that caught your attention over the weekend. Yeah, um, Ohio and Bowling Green. Uh, Ohio 52 to 10. Bowling Green is terrible. They are really bad. McDonald, their quarterback, very bad. I hate to bust on college quarterbacks, but you know you would think that they would have somebody that could throw the football a little bit better than him. Uh, Bowling Green, uh, really a mess. I think Akron might be a little bit better than Bowling Green, and we see them play each other this week. So, what a uh, I'm game! Not gonna, I'm not going to bet the side in that game. And I have to tell you, you know, you always talk about I like to watch bad games. I have a bet on the total in that game, and I'm not watching that game. I don't want to watch that game. Man, that, that would be kind of cruel and unusual punishment to have, you know, uh, wife and kids have to watch that one, I feel like. So we got to draw the line somewhere. But, you know, we move on to Ball State and Toledo, 27-24. What happened in this game? I, you know, I did well in college football this past weekend, but 
the over in this game was one of my losses. Toledo couldn't move the ball at all in the first half in this game. I think the box score is a little bit misleading in this one. Toledo was 6.6 yards per play. Ball State 5.3 yards per play. Ball State was really conservative because they got way ahead. Toledo gets a lot of yards at the end of the game. Actually got the ball back with a chance to tie and then fumbled. So Toledo really was a mess in this one. I don't, I don't know why they couldn't score on Ball State. Ball State's defense, not very good. And then Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, Western Michigan 30 to 27. Western Michigan only won by three here because they were one for nine on third down. Northern Illinois was four for five on fourth down, and they ran 80 plays to 49 for Western Michigan, 40 to 20 time of possession. Western Michigan was 6.6 yards per play. Northern Illinois only 4.4 yards per play, though. Um, the Broncos have a really explosive offense, and I think they're going to be, you know, one to watch in the MAC for sure. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like Caleb Ellaby is averaging what 12, somewhere between 12 and 15 completions a game. And he's got a bunch of touchdown passes and tons of big plays and all that. We talked about Eskridge, their wide receiver, on last week's show. Uh, Western Michigan is is not a team I would look to bet unders with. I, I'll just say that. A couple from the Mountain West here that I picked up on. We'll just sort of group these by conference as we go along. I don't know how the hell this happened. And I did the math on this like eight times just to make sure it was accurate. How did Utah State have 7.53 yards per play against New Mexico? I mean... We thought New Mexico's defense would at least be, you know, the uh, redeeming quality of that team with Rocky Long, with a good defensive coordinator turned head coach in Danny Gonzalez. Seven and a half yards per play to Utah State is is not a good defensive showing at all. And a team that did not do well offensively from the Mountain West, and I know it was a really weird spot for them, a game that kind of came together very late in the process, but 2.6 yards per play for San Diego State against Colorado – Kyle, is Colorado actually good? You know, I've had to upgrade Colorado every single week now, and I don't know if I've caught up with them or not. I think I moved them up three and a half or four points this past week. Um, you know, San Diego State's offense is really bad. They, they are really bad. A couple games at the beginning of the year, they could just run the football, and that's all they had to do, and they can move the ball. They haven't been able to do that lately, and their passing game is is non-existent. I mean, they are really bad passing. Um you know, San Diego State's good defensively, but their offense is a mess. Colorado really has impressed me a lot. A really good coaching job there by Durrell. Um, obviously, it's been a pretty big upgrade coaching-wise for Colorado. I also think that Sam Neuer has been better than I expected him to be. You know, I thought Colorado was going to have a weakness at quarterback, and, and he's been pretty good. So I think Colorado might be actually pretty good, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of cautious about them. I would say I, I would rather not bet on their games at this point. You know what's not good? The Big Ten. The, the, the Big Ten is bad. And it, it seems like week after week when we go through some of this box score analysis and stuff like that, we just have damning statistics about virtually every team in this conference at some point in time. And you've got a handful of them here as well. Yeah, the Big Ten's really bad. And obviously, you know, us as Ohio State fans, it's not great when the Big Ten is bad, but we have to call it like we see it. Uh, Michigan State, 4.9 yards per play to Northwestern, 3.5. What happened in this game? I mean, I've, I've watched Michigan State enough to know that they're really bad. Um, Northwestern, four turnovers, negative three turnover margin, uh, five for 18 on third down for Northwestern. 
um, crazy to even have 18 third down uh, attempts. You know, obviously their offense wasn't working very well. They were two for four on fourth down, but Michigan State has a couple upsets now. Obviously the Michigan win doesn't look great when Michigan has played so poorly afterwards, but then Northwestern, a nice win. Northwestern has been able to beat people by winning the turnover margin in the past. This week they, they lost the turnover margin badly, but you know, uh, the Big Ten, really, like you said, every week you have uh, a stat for one team, team one by one, where it's like, OK, that team's bad. That team's bad. And really, you know, Ohio State hasn't looked as good as what we thought they would be either. So um, I think Ohio State's clearly the class of the conference. But, you know, the Big Ten is very weak this year. And the next one I had on my list, Indiana 27, Maryland 11. Penix was hurt in this game, obviously. Look, Indiana wasn't playing good when he was in the game here. So I think that's important to point out. Um, How bad was this game? Maryland 4.9 yards per play to Indiana 4.8. So Indiana's offense, which moved the ball with ease against Ohio State, especially once they got behind, uh, couldn't get much going here against Maryland. Yeah, Penix torn ACL for him. and, And that was one of the notes that I mentioned. I mean, this guy was six for 19 for 84 yards against Maryland, and he destroyed Ohio State's secondary in that game, you know, a couple of weeks prior. So I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know what you do with the Big Ten. I mean, Iowa gets a win over Nebraska, but Iowa was, you know, outgained by over a yard per play in that one. We know Nebraska's not good, they have all the turnover issues. I don't think Iowa's very good. Northwestern loses to Michigan State after beating Wisconsin. So I don't know if Wisconsin's any good, although they're a two-touchdown favorite here this week against Indiana. And, of course, no Penix for Indiana, but that's still a line that I would have had in double digits anyway, even with Penix in the game. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know who I can trust, if anybody, in this Big Ten conference. And we'll see if Ohio State's able to play this week. But I'm sure as hell not laying 24 with them. I know Michigan State's bad, but I I don't know what Ohio State is. I don't know who's going to play for Ohio State. The Big Ten, I mean, it's untouchable for the most part right now. Yeah, I think Wisconsin's probably pretty good, and I think they'll probably bounce back. I actually kind of would have wanted to bet Wisconsin if Penix was playing here and we could have gotten a, you know, minus nine and a half or something like that, like it started. Um, you know, Wisconsin, I think, is a, is a pretty good team, and I assume Mertz will will play there for uh, play well there for the offense. Um, you know, outside of Ohio State, and then I think Wisconsin, it's it's hard to know what you're going to get in the Big Ten. And like you said, I feel like Ohio State and Michigan State is unbettable this week. Uh, you know, if if you want to make a big bet on that that game, I, I, man, I, I'd be worried for you because, you know, I mean, Ohio State should beat Michigan State badly if they have enough players and it's key guys that, you know, it's not key guys that are out. But, you know, Michigan State's been up and down, and uh, Michigan State's a bad team, but we don't know what we'll get from Ohio State. And like you said, at this point, we don't really know what we're going to get from a lot of Big Ten teams. So it is hard to bet the Big Ten right now. One note that I definitely want to make sure I mention here, Notre Dame. You know, people are going to say, oh, they only won by 14. You know, they're going to do whatever they can to diminish Notre Dame's victory over North Carolina. And I know we've been relatively critical, certainly on my shows with Brad Powers about Notre Dame over the course of the season, but – Holding North Carolina under 300 yards of offense, that is not getting nearly enough run here this week. And I don't know if it's because of all the COVID stuff, stealing headlines or or whatever else, but this Notre Dame team has rounded into some very excellent form here. 
Yeah, Notre Dame's playing better than I would have expected by quite a bit. And I never would have expected North Carolina to have only 298 yards of offense. And if you watch the beginning of that game, North Carolina moved the ball really easily. It looks like it's going to be a shootout. The total in that game was what, you know, upper 60s, 67 or 68. And I remember seeing tweets on my timeline was 14 to 14 in the first quarter, you know, first one to 50 wins this game. And then North Carolina scores 17 points. Notre Dame, really impressive. You know, they kind of just salted away their win there at the end of the game. Uh, You know, Notre Dame has a really good defensive coordinator. And uh, I think Notre Dame's offense has kind of come along as we've gone through the year. So Notre Dame, a team I've had to upgrade in my power rating some as well, because I think that was a really impressive win last week. All right, so we get to some interesting stats, some regression stats, stuff like that. And, and you and I both isolated this one. And it's not really the most surprising of statistics. I think the degree to which this stat stands out is pretty interesting. But the Kansas Jayhawks are minus 34 in sack margin. I don't know how that's possible. It's, that's hard to do in eight games. I mean, gosh, this is, you know, even if they had played 10 or 11 games, that'd be pretty ugly, but they've played eight games and they're negative 34 in sack margin. Um, you know, you can't think of anything positive to say about Kansas football. You know, I feel like also, you know, Kansas games are nearly unbettable, right? Because you want to lay that many points against them. Not really. I mean, I, I'd probably rather bet against them than I would bet on them. But, uh, you know, it's it's a really hard bet to make. And then every week when I go through um, prepping for totals on Sunday night, Monday morning, I get to the Kansas game and I just I skip it. You know, I mean, there's there's no <laughs> point. I mean, wh- why do I want to bet the total in Kansas's game? I mean, I'm trying to decide if Kansas is going to score. No, I, I don't blame you. You know what I would do if I was Kansas and I will beat this horse to death? I would hire Ivan Jasper and run the triple option. It's that simple. You you are not getting talent to go to Lawrence to play football. It's just not going to happen. Basketball? Hell yeah. Football? Eh, Not so much. And the Les Miles hire was weird too because you're not going to grow anything with Les Miles. He's a placeholder there who, you know, you get a big name hire and and that's cool. It's still not going to draw talent to to play at Kansas. Uh, You just run the damn triple option already. I mean, why not? What do they have to lose at this point? I mean, they've been losing for that long. They might as well try something different. Mark Mangino's not coming through that door because he probably can't fit through it anymore. But, uh, I mean, look, that was was the heyday for Kansas football. And I I can say that as a fellow fat guy, by the way. One (laughs) that I want to mention here, UNLV, they've allowed 26 sacks in five games. They've also allowed 29 red zone trips to the opposition in five games. So, uh Seems like it's going to be a slow and painful process there for Marcus Arroyo, however long he's there. Yeah, and you know, I will say that I've watched some of the UNLV games probably too much, but (laughs) but UNLV's quarterback play has not been very good. They hold the ball a really long time. You know, they got to get rid of the football some too. So, you know, for some perspective, I will say, I don't think it's only on the offensive line for UNLV, but yeah, I mean, to allow that many red zone trips, uh, UNLV... Um, I don't think it's fair to grade Marcus Arroyo yet. So, you know, some of the people are saying Marcus Arroyo is not doing a good job. Let's see how he does here in a year or two. Well, there's, there's just not a whole lot of talent there. I, I don't think, I don't think he has a whole lot to work with. Well, one more for me. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of the ones that you highlighted here. We talked last week on the podcast. I stumped you with a uh, trivia question <laughs> about the teams that were 100% on touchdowns in the red zone. Buffalo, I believe was one of them. The other one was UMass. Unfortunately, that is no longer the case. UMass no longer tied for first in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. 
They are tied for 104th because they are now one for two. Yeah, Buffalo was my guess. So Buffalo wasn't one of the oh, two, right. but they yeah, yeah. they were they were really close. I actually looked afterwards; they were eleven for twelve scoring touchdowns. So I, I have to give myself partial credit. Damn it, that was a pretty good guess. You know, what I mean, uh, UMass. Um, gosh, I mean, I, I kind of hope this is the last time we talk about UMass this year. Why? You you mm, all right? Fine. You watch a bunch of UNLV. You've already worked in Bowling Green and Akron, but you don't want to talk about UMass. I don't get it. UMass is, is next level bad, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, what are some of the uh, either regression signs or some of the more interesting statistics that you have here for today's show? Well, we already talked about Northwestern a little bit, so I should have thrown it in there. But I have to say Northwestern's offense was supposed to be fixed with the new offensive coordinator and Peyton Ramsey, who is an upgrade. But they have four plays of 30 yards or more in six games. I mean, we saw this last year from Northwestern. Uh, for reference, Michigan State has 11 such plays in five uh, in five games. We know their offense is terrible, so Northwestern's offense really isn't working again this year. Um, I I kind of wonder what's going to take to get Northwestern's offense working here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they should be better than this, but they still aren't. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this is back to back games under four yards per play for Northwestern, so I, I don't know how it really changes. I don't know if it's a lack of skill position guys. Cause I mean, Peyton Ramsey played pretty well when he was with Indiana did have better skill position talent, of course. Uh, but it really hasn't translated here for the wildcats as of yet, by the way, it was Northern Illinois who was the other team that was hundred uh, percent when we talked about them last week, but sticking with that big 10 theme, you're looking at Maryland as a bit of a regression candidate here. Yeah. Maryland is 19th in yards per play on offense, which is really pretty impressive. And stunningly, they only 23.5 points per game, which is 95th in the nation. It's very rare that you're going to find this. Obviously, they haven't played as many games as some teams would have at this point in the season. But this late in the season to find 19th in yards per play on offense and 95th in points per game is really a pretty big spread there. And they're only four touchdowns and nine trips into the red zone this year. Certainly positive regression expected here for Maryland's offense. I think I'd probably look to bet overs with Maryland. Now, Texas Tech is a team, and I apologize, I glossed over this one. We're, we're trying to get to a lot of stuff here in a, a relatively short period of time. But you did mention some box score stuff about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech all of a sudden playing a shootout with 94 points in that one. But you also have Texas Tech listed here as a potential regression team on the turnover side of things. Yeah, 17 fumbles and only five of them lost. I think Texas Tech's been pretty disappointing this year, especially on offense. Uh, the Red Raiders, not... Uh, nearly as efficient as what we've seen in the past on offense. And that's with 17 fumbles and only using five of them. So uh, Texas Tech, not a team I'd want to bet on. Yeah, Texas Tech, 7.6 yards per play against Oklahoma State last week. Very hard to power rate the Cowboys right now because their offense is just in a strange, almost state of purgatory where all they can do is run the football. Uh, Illingworth goes out with COVID and now it's officially all Sanders and Maybe that helps them. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, some interesting developments out of the Big 12 uh, with last week and in particular uh, with Oklahoma State. What about NC State here as we give the ACC a little bit of love? You're following along with their offense and some signs of regression. Yeah, they're 71st in yards per play, but 43rd in points per game. So the opposite of what Maryland's been doing, not quite to the same degree, but they're 35th and third down conversion percentage offense so far this year. I don't think NC State's offense is quite as good as they look right now to a lot of people. So 
NC State, a team that I'd probably rather bet against or bet unders with. And I believe there is some weather in their game this week. So that one will be one that I look at uh, for NC State this weekend. But, you know, to me, NC State's a team that they're on their backup quarterback in Bailey Hawkman. Uh, NC State putting up quite a few points per game, but it's partially because they've gotten a lot of turnovers and had short fields. So I think their offense is not as good as they look. Well, and, and again, from the ACC, I will mention this again because their game against Florida State was canceled last week. Virginia getting outgained by 1.2 yards per play in ACC action. Phil Jerkovich, the quarterback for Boston College, is questionable this week with a knee injury. So keep an eye on his status, although Boston College has been running the football a lot more effectively here of late. But Boston College plus six is a play very much on my radar this week as a fade of Virginia. Yeah, I'd like to to see that Jerkovich is going to play, but I, if if he were playing, I'd bet Boston College in that game. So we'll see what his status is throughout the course of the week, but I, I like that lean as well, certainly. Uh, the last one I had for regression, Central Michigan, minus 0.14 yards per play margin on the year, but three and one on the year. The question is, can they find a healthy quarterback or could they get more back? I don't think there's been any word on that still, which is kind of strange at this point. But, you know, Central Michigan has not been very good on yards per play margin so far this year. At the same time, McIlwain's done a really good job there, and I'm kind of hesitant to bet against them. But, you know, I wanted to point that one out because you usually don't see a team that's negative yards per play, but three and one on the season. The one caveat I would give is I believe Western Michigan had like nine yards per play against them in that one game. So a little bit of a sample size issue there, but at the same time, you know, Central Michigan, probably a little bit of a regression candidate and we'll see what happens here in their upcoming games. Actually one more real quickly for me, because I got to mention this one, Wake Forest, I believe, is their game this week already been canceled? I think. I think Uh, so. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, not that it's uh Super useful here to mention on today's show, but Wake Forest has turned the ball over one time in seven games. They are plus 15 in turnover margin. So I don't know if they've got another game left, but uh, if they do, you know, I don't know, maybe they just keep taking care of the football and, and defying the turnover gods. But one turnover in seven games is simply astonishing. Yeah, that's hard to do. I wouldn't think that would continue. And we don't know when they'll play again. But if they do play again, you know, that's that's something to keep in mind. I will say I don't love betting against Dave Clawson. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Wake Forest. But I, I think they're shut down for now. We'll do a couple of game breakdowns here. And we'll start with a highlight video for Friday night's game. Game 327-328 in the Sun Belt. Louisiana takes on Appalachian State. Two and a half, the prevailing number across the market. You can find some rogue threes out there with Appalachian State, a home favorite in Boone, North Carolina. Total on this game, 51 and a half or 52. I'm ATS radio host Adam Burke, joined by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter. Kyle, interesting game here because Appalachian State, 8-0 lifetime against Louisiana. They've beaten them four times over the last two years, twice in the Sun Belt Championship game. But I look at this one, and I think Appalachian State's a little bit vulnerable here. Yeah, this is a complicated handicap because the Coastal, uh, Coastal Carolina has already locked into the, the conference title game, and then you've got Louisiana going to be their opponent. So App State, you know, this is their game that would matter to them. Uh, so you would think that they would want to play here in this game. At the same time, you know, I feel like App State, 
you know, you could argue that they're a bit disappointed because of, you know, what their expectations were for the season. Um, you know, I see rain in the forecast for this game, and that's why the totals come down a bit. My number was 51 and a half, also minus two and a half. So I can't say that I have any great line value on this game. I will say, I think that, you know, if you break down Louisiana, they have a really balanced offense. You know, Levi Lewis is a good quarterback for them. He's not been quite as good as he was last year, but Mitchell and Regis really good running backs. I would be surprised if they just get stuffed in this game. I know App State's defense is very good. Uh, on the other side, Thomas has been a bit banged up. App State still running the football pretty well. App State has a better defense between these two teams. I think Louisiana is the more balanced offense between these two teams. And, you know, if I had to take something in this game, I would probably take Louisiana, maybe even on the money line if you get two and a half. If you can get three, at a you know flat minus one ten, I don't want to pay minus one twenty or minus one twenty five. Uh, I don't think that's a very good idea. But you know, I think Louisiana could win this game, and I think this game means a lot to Louisiana, even though they are locked into the the title game because Louisiana has lost to App State, I believe it's eight times in a row. So you know, why would they not be up for a game like this? They should certainly be up for this game. The question is, does App State circle this game and say, "Hey, this is a really big game for us," even though we can't get into the title game? Or does App State not get as up for this game as Louisiana? I feel like, you know, Louisiana would be the side I could would take here if I took any side. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting because Appalachian State has really underperformed expectation. I mean, they are seven and two. They have lost to the two best teams they've played in Coastal Carolina and Marshall. Uh, both of those games, of course, on the road. They are back at home in the elevation for this one. And remember, as far as college football teams east of the Mississippi. Appalachian, Appalachian State is the highest in elevation. So they do get a little bit of a home field bump because of that, even though, of course, home field watered down a little bit here for this college football season. But App State's 2-7 and seven against the number. Now, they've had problems covering in a big favorite role, and they've had problems covering in their close line games, both of which they lost to Coastal and Marshall. I think Louisiana, we kind of forgot about how good this team is because, you know, they just – haven't really done anything that stands out to any degree over the last several weeks, but they are a very good team. They've got a very good head coach in Billy Napier. I just feel like this is probably the most vulnerable that App State has been. And Louisiana, I think, is a team that's good enough to smell blood in the water and take care of business. But, you know, I I can't fault anybody for looking at the series history. Again, App State's won four meetings over the last two years. They have the Raging Cajuns number for whatever that's worth. Still, for me, I think it's Louisiana, and I agree with you. If you like the Raging Cajuns here, two and a half, not a ton of line value with that. Just go ahead and take the money line. Yeah, and I think that if you had to bet the total in this game with rain and and conservative game plans, I think you would probably lean to the under. That would be my lean uh, because I think there's going to be a lot of running in this game. I wouldn't think there'd be too many deep passes, a lot of running clock here. So I think the under would be my lean in this game and Louisiana. And if you look at it, you know, Louisiana has lost to App State several times in a row, as we said. The thing is, I think App State is the weakest they've been, like you said. And Louisiana, I think Louisiana is at least equal in terms of talent this year. So uh, I don't think that's been the the case in the past. No, I don't think so either. My line's one and a half on this game, which implies I would have Louisiana favored on a neutral. And I think that's a pretty reasonable breakdown uh, of the two teams here for this Friday night game between Louisiana and Appalachian State. Make sure you check out all of our highlight videos over on our ATS YouTube page and subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio wherever you stream and download your podcast content. 
Kyle, with that, we'll take a little bit of a break here. We'll do one other highlight video on a game a little bit further down the board, but uh, are there any other games that, you know, are, are really on your radar? I, I feel like as I'm going up and down the card here this week, there's just not really a whole lot that I like. Yeah, I think that um, this will probably be my lightest volume week of the year. So I kind of agree with you that this is a, a tough card. Um, I think Oklahoma State and TCU is kind of an interesting game. Like we said, Oklahoma State's been all over the place. I think Oklahoma State should be able to beat TCU based on their talent. If Oklahoma State is invested in this game, I mean, we've said before, TCU's offense is very limited. So I think the line move from minus one on Oklahoma State to two and a half is probably warranted in that game. And I would lean Oklahoma State. Total coming down to 51 and a half is interesting because, you know, Oklahoma State did just put up a lot of points in that game. So that that one's kind of interesting to me. Um, not a lot that I like as far as sides this week. And I, honestly, you know, this time in the week, I usually have quite a few plays. Only have three totals plays this week so far. So I think this is a tough card. Yeah, I think so too. There are a couple of games that kind of on my radar. I look, I I'm not intending to sound like a homer with this pick because I'll be as honest as anybody. South Carolina football is in a sad state of affairs right now. Eleven and a half for Kentucky is a hell of a lot to cover. They turned the football over too much for my liking to be trusted as a big favorite. It's not a role that they're typically in. Uh, they play South Carolina pretty much every year, both being in the SEC East. Highest favorite role for Kentucky since 1998. And I don't think, and, and think about it, South Carolina was really bad in the early 2000s. I mean, they were you know, like one win team kind of bad. I don't think this is a historically bad South Carolina team. I think this line's just a little bit too high. And again, double digit favorite with a lower scoring expectation uh, with a total of 47 and a half. So kind of looking at that one a little bit. I don't know if Ohio's any good, but they're a double-digit dog for the first time since the 2016 MAC championship game against Buffalo. So that's a pretty big number there in that one. And one other one, Washington minus 11 and a half. And I typically don't like laying big numbers with, you know, defense first, marginal offense teams like Washington. But I just don't think Stanford's any good. I agree with the line move here on this one. I think this is a spot where I'd lay it or stay away from it. And I think I may lay it with Washington this week. Yeah, I lean toward Washington as well. I think that this line might be a little bit light. Washington didn't play well in the first half against Utah at all. They did play really well in the second half in that game. That was a game where I had the under. Um, Washington's defense being so good in the second half helped me cash that one. I don't think Stanford can consistently move the ball on Washington. And I don't know that Stanford's going to stop anybody very much at all in the Pac-12 this year. Um, I like David Shaw a lot as a person. Seems like a great guy. Uh, the team has been going in the wrong direction, though, here of late. So uh, we'll see if Stanford can turn it around or not. But I agree with you on that, lean. All right, we'll do one more quick highlight video here with a game breakdown. For game 395-396, West Virginia and Iowa State. Good one here between two quality teams and you know, quite possibly the two best defenses in the Big 12. I'm ATS radio host Adam Burke, and I'm joined by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And we got Iowa State six and a half point favorite here, total of 49, 48 and a half in that range. And kind of bummed we didn't get to see West Virginia against Oklahoma last week because I thought that would be a good matchup. Pretty interesting spot for the Sooners. Now West Virginia with a little bit of extra prep time uh, if this game actually finds a way to go off. Yeah, this game's interesting because Iowa State coming off a win over Texas, which 
to be honest, that was a really weird game. That, that's one where I, I did cash in having the under. I was afraid I was going to lose because it would go into overtime. If Cameron Dicker had made that really long kick, which almost did, uh, that would have been an overtime game that could have uh, spoiled a really good under. Iowa State was really fortunate to win that game against Texas. Tom Herman with some very questionable coaching calls. The fake punt in their own side when they're winning um, led to a score. Iowa State, fortunate to win that game, I think. Texas, that was more about Texas losing that game. Iowa State, a team that I like to bet as an underdog. Not a team I like to bet as a favorite unless they're a really small favorite. I think they play a lot of close games with a good defense and an offense that is, you know, I think their offense is pretty good with Hall at uh, running back and, and Purdy at quarterback. But it seems like they get pretty conservative when they are ahead. I think that's probably uh, Matt Campbell is a fairly conservative coach in general. And uh, if you look at this game, West Virginia's defense has been so good. They rank top five nationally in defense so far this year, yards per play. I do think that's skewed a bit based on the schedule that they've played so far. But West Virginia has a very good defense. Um, I would lean under in this game. I see a couple 49 and a halfs. Uh, that's my lean, and that's one that I'm considering betting myself. So I might make my card here this weekend. I see a little bit of wind in this game, 10 or 11 miles per hour. We'll see as that um, gets later in the week. There are some games with weather games uh, this week, so pay attention to that before you place your bets. If I had to bet a side in this game, I would probably rather take the points with West Virginia. I'd like to get seven. I see six and a half pretty much across the board now. So I'm going to lean West Virginia if you can get seven, but my strongest lean in this game here is the under. And of course, that is one that could make your card, especially as that weather forecast gets a little bit clearer. I have Iowa State minus eight and a half pure power rating in this game, but with the lower scoring expectation, probably relax that down to Iowa State minus seven and a half. I think there are questions about West Virginia. As you said, with the level of competition that they've played, they didn't get exposed by Oklahoma last week. I don't know if that would have happened or not kind of wish it would have because maybe it would have skewed this line a little bit up into that eight and a half nine range to where maybe I take West Virginia with that low scoring expectation getting more than a touchdown for now though as much as I like West Virginia I would look the Iowa State route here in this game I think Iowa State is maybe becoming a team now you talk about wanting to bet Matt Campbell more as a dog than as a favorite totally understand why But because they've won so much over the last few years, I think they're starting to figure out how to salt games away, how to be ahead, stay ahead, take care of business. And look, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about it. I expected their line against Kansas State to move. It never did. That implies to me that Iowa State is very highly thought of in the betting market. This line has come down a little bit off of seven. I think it's more of a grab on the, the low scoring expectation. But I expect seven to pop back up here later on in the week. And I may take Iowa State here at six and a half. That's the way I'm looking. I think seven will come back too. So if you like West Virginia, you want to wait. If you like Iowa State, you want to take it now at six and a half. And I, I think that's fair. From a side perspective, West Virginia, it feels like it's, they're a team that we don't know exactly what they are still because they haven't played a very good schedule. I know their defense is good. I don't know about their offense. Um, they've turned the ball over quite a bit this year. Iowa State, you have to be able to throw the ball. They're very good at stopping the run. Can West Virginia move the ball throwing it? You know, we'll see. Like I said, I do like the under in this game. Well, good thoughts there on that West Virginia-Iowa State game on this highlight video for our ATS YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to the ATS YouTube page and also subscribe to our full editions here 
of the ATS Radio podcast, which you can hear Monday through Friday on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, before we transition over to the college basketball side here, anything else you want to mention for college football for this week? Um, you know, should, we, I should think... we talk about Alabama being like a almost a 30-point favorite against LSU? I mean, you want to take LSU? No. I don't either. So. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'd take Bama if I was taking anything in that game. Actually, I kind of think I like Bama first half in that game. So uh, I assume that'd be 16 and a half or 17, something like that. So, um, yeah, pretty strong lean to Bama first half. I think Bama will will be happy to um, – I guess they're going for revenge here against LSU. It's obviously not even close to the same team from last year without Burrow. Um LSU's game last week was a really strange one against Texas A&M. I know there was some wind and rain, but Kellen Mond's stat line in that game is is oh, unbelievably bad. bad. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like some wind and rain is, is, doesn't excuse that uh, stat line. But LSU, I don't, I don't think that they're very competitive. And, and Bama right now is a machine. So no way I could bet LSU in that game. I'm up to Bama minus three over Clemson on a neutral. And I think it's like four and a half or so against Ohio state. And that should probably grow as we go forward here. I'm astonished that we're not talking about how good this Alabama team is. I mean, they look exceptional really on both sides of the ball. I know that they went up and down the field with Ole Miss a little bit and the defense kind of had some issues, but outside of that, I mean, Alabama, they, I don't, I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it anyway. They look unbeatable. I, I think, they probably win it all right now. And that's not like any earth shattering announcement or anything like that, because at minus three, they're what, you know, 60% or so to, to win the game outright against Clemson if they play. But I, I don't know how with the flaws we've seen from Clemson, Ohio state, I don't know how anybody beats Alabama. Um, you know, Clemson should be able to score a lot of points if they play Alabama. The question is, can they get any stops against Alabama? It would certainly be an interesting game to see. I have a minus three as well, and I have them five over Ohio State. So we're very similar on that. Um, you know, to me, Bama looks so good. And, you know, Mac Jones probably not getting enough credit at this point. I know that Tua had a great season last year. So they say, well, it's just another quarterback getting in that system. Jones has played really, really well. I mean, he's been excellent for Alabama. All right, so we'll talk some college basketball to finish up the show here. It looks like we're going to get about 15 to 20 minutes or so on college basketball. But I, I would say to this point in time, and of course it started last Wednesday and I was out of town, so I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time paying attention to the first five days of the season. We've had our share of cancellations. We've had our share of games kind of fall apart. But I don't know, to me, I feel like they're kind of exceeding my expectations here so far. They are definitely exceeding my expectations so far. Uh, scheduling's still going to be a mess. Things are going to change around. But, you know, hopefully the, the weeks going forward go as well as this past week as far as, you know, there haven't been as many games canceled as what a lot of people said there would be or what a lot of people thought there would be. I, I do think that you're going to need to be able to adapt because there's going to be a lot of scheduling changes on the fly. You know, I think looking for under-the-radar teams is really important this time of the year. That's why we talk about it so much. Specialization, a really good strategy, especially at the beginning of the season. It's going to take uh, the books a while to adjust. Look, you know, I think this time of the year is interesting because we have so many games on the board in multiple sports that 
it's it would be hard for the odds makers to set a line that's exactly you know accurate in, in a lot of these too. And if they're going to um, take a little bit less time on something, it would have to be college basketball compared to the NFL or college football because we know that the handle on these is less right now than what they are on the other games. So I think that's just another point to to say that. You know, like we said at the beginning of the show, college basketball, really something that I would encourage people to uh, take a look at quite a bit right now. So now that I'm settled back in, you know, with the travel and the rear view, I'm, I'm going to try to pay more attention to this as much as I can. But from a betting market standpoint, from the standpoint of line moves and things like that, just sort of give us an overview. I mean, has the market been, you know, overly reactionary, just a lot of knee jerk reactions to results? Has it been a lot of scalping and middling, you know, moving numbers one way, coming back the other way? Uh, Have you seen, you know, well-defined moves in terms of overs or unders based on, you know, those early season officiating mandates or anything like that? What's just sort of your general overview of, of what the betting market and the line movement looks like? Yeah, you know, the first couple days of the season, um, day one where there were so many games, the over was just money. I mean, it was 52 and 29 to the over at one point. And what that ended up doing is there was too big of a reaction from day one. The lines kept getting bet up. And now the under has been really good for multiple days in a row. For the season, the under is 137 and 132 now which is pretty impressive when you think that the over was 52 and 29. So um, neutral court games uh, play well to the under. Uh, That certainly plays a role here. If you look at favorites and dogs and home and away teams, they're almost exactly 50-50 so far this year, both of them. 136 and 128, the dogs. 134 and 130, ATS, the home teams. I think that there have been some substantial line moves, uh, both on sides and totals, but that that's, we have that every year at the beginning of college basketball. That's not just this season. Uh, I can see some real um, head fakes in the totals market. You know, we see a line get bet down a point or two. The next thing you know, it's going up six or eight points. Um, You know, it doesn't take a huge amount of money right now to move lines significantly on college basketball totals. I know it can be hard for, for my clients to, to match my number in college basketball at the beginning of the season, try to do the best I can about that. Um, I'm not betting them right at the open partially because of that. Um, But, you know, to me, college basketball market looks similar as what it does in a usual season at the beginning of the year. We do see some significant line moves. We see big reactions to one day of overs or one day of unders. It's kind of like what we see in March. Everybody's paying attention to one day. Um, That's what's happening now. And I think that, you know, in general, I would say that, um, you know, the under is still what I would, would lean to more than anything right now, based on neutral court games, as far as dogs and favorites, Nothing, you know, stands out to me. I do think maybe road teams could have some value as we go forward. I know home teams are 134 and 130, which is really virtually no edge. But I think that, you know, with the lack of fans and and things being a little bit different this year, home court has never been quite as important as some people thought. And it's not been as important in college football as some people thought in the past as far as home field advantage. So I do think maybe road teams would be the way I would look more often than not. But, but yeah, I mean, big line moves in the market, definitely some chances for middles. You know, I, I took a chance the other day on a middle and just about hit a really big middle on a over um, 144, I think it was and under 152 and a half and the game falls 154. So, um, you know, you, you get some opportunities for things like that now uh, where I think if you really like a side or a total, 
you can bet it bigger on the one on the one side like if you like an over say you bet 200 bucks on an over you come back and you could bet 100 on the under at five or six points better i think that makes a lot of sense yeah i think it does too and again that's all part of the betting process as opposed to handicapping the game getting your pre-flop stuff together you know a lot of guys make very good money off the betting side of things playing middles scalping arbitraging live betting of course Something like that. We'll talk more about live betting next week when we have more time because I want to know if it's something that you're doing a little bit more here uh, since, you know, obviously neither one of us really expected a college basketball season. So, you know, kind of playing catch up with some of the information on some of these teams. We'll also try to talk more about home court advantage as we go forward, which will certainly be neutered quite substantially for this season. But there is an angle about games on neutral courts that you want to mention here real quick. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, Game one through eight of the regular season, which obviously everybody's in that neutral court unders of 134 or higher are 55.6% in the last 15 years. Neutral court unders of 140 or higher, 56.3% in the last 15 years. This is a really large sample size. We know that this is a thing. You know, this matters. I know a lot of people say, Look, that's trends and angles don't matter to me. This one matters. I agree that a lot of people like to use the, you know, on Monday night, a team is this ATS, which, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. But this one definitely matters. Neutral court games, it's tougher for shooting backdrops. Um, So far this year, neutral court unders with a total of 134 or higher, 43 unders and 24 overs. Pay attention to this one, definitely. Once again, unders of 134 or higher, 55.6%, 140 or higher, 56.3%. And you can make a damn good bit of money at 55.6 and 56%. So uh, 56.3%. So definitely a good angle to look at. Hey, have you seen those totals moving down? Do, do people know about this or does it you know, just not really phase them? Yes, people know about this. You want to bet the under earlier than the uh, rather than later in this because you'll see pretty consistently the day of the game these get bet down. So you probably want to take it the night before if you can. You're going to see some line moves of four or five points toward the under in these neutral court games. Now, we talked about some coaches last week on the show, sort of looking at, you know, teams that would play slower, teams that would play faster, stuff like that. Have those kind of come to fruition, you know, to your expectation here so far? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the ones that we talked about as far as faster and slower uh, are still uh, playing out that way. And I think this is something I'd like to revisit again next week to look at, you know, tempo changes once we've seen pretty much everybody play or play a couple games. I think tempo changes are really important to look for because it really gives you an edge especially if you're talking about teams in a small conference. So yeah, I think, I think those have gone according to plans. And that is really important because if all of a sudden you're a team that you don't really have an identity and you just play at the other team's pace all the time, let's say that you're playing a team that, you know, plays 80 possessions a game or something like that. And you're inefficient offensively. That's going to hurt you. If you're playing a team that's at 65 possessions, that might be a little bit better for you. So you know, those are very important things to look at the tempo metrics, not just from a total standpoint, but from a side standpoint as well. Yeah, and actually one of them we talked about last week was Luke Yaklich at UIC. I believe UIC is 3-0 and to the under. It's either 
two and one or three and zero to the under so far this year. And UIC has also won all three of their games. He's a really big upgrade over what they've had in the past, um, especially defensively coach wise. You know, I think UIC is a team that I would definitely look to bet on. I know the market is going to get a little bit higher on them now. Still think unders could be a good play for them. Um, They're going to slow down the tempo a bit and play very good defense. So uh, uh, that's one that stands out to me as still a, a very good note from before. And, of course, UIC being Illinois, Chicago. So just so there's no confusion in case you see them written a uh, different way. As you said, they played last night, and I believe one outright as a short dog. If Yeah, they correct won. me if I'm wrong there. I think they won by 16 as a dog there. Yeah, it's a very good look there for Luke Yaklich for sure. You got a couple of other, or three other actually, under-the-radar coaching upgrades that are on your radar and should be on all of our listeners' radars as well. Yeah, I'm going to start with uh, Brad Korn at um, Southeast Missouri State. So he coached under Bruce Weber and Matt Painter. He wants a really physical team. They're going to be better on defense than they've been under Rick Ray. I think Ray was a a pretty big disappointment. Um, You know, he went to Mississippi State, I believe it was, and and then goes to Southeast Missouri State. And he didn't have much success either place. Uh, I think this team's still short on talent, but I think they could be a good underdog catching a lot of points because in the past they were just totally blown out. Um, Same thing with the second one I'm going to say, Rob Jeter. I think Western Illinois is going to be really bad. So I'm not trying to say that immediately Western Illinois is going to be good, but I think he's a clear upgrade from Billy Wright who had proven, you know, he's just going to have his team in the basement of the conference every year. Now Western Illinois is probably going to finish at or near the bottom of the conference again this year, but I think it could be worth looking at them as a big dog in in conference play this season. The last one I want to say, and I think I have to vent here real quickly, uh, Jeff Linder at Wyoming. I think Linder is a big upgrade from Alan Edwards. I think the players did like Edwards. They, they tried hard for him, but they didn't seem to have a very good scheme. Um, you know, Linder was a good coach at Northern Colorado and he was, he's used to the altitude certainly because Greeley is already an altitude place. And then you go to Laramie, um, this, this team's going to improve through the year. I have to say I had Wyoming the other night against Texas Southern. Uh, I, I got minus five and a half. I think that line got up to 10 or 10 and a half. Wyoming's up 52, 31, one minute into the second half. And then they lose outright. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's a real head scratcher. When you think about it, Texas Southern kind of a, a team that doesn't have much of a bench going to Wyoming to play on short rest at altitude and just dominating the second half. So I don't know what happened there in the second half of that game. I still think that, that Wyoming will be a good team to bet on it at, points throughout the season and I, I can't argue you know I've, I've had a good start to college basketball season but that was a weird game certainly well and these are really important ones you know these teams that are absolute bottom of the barrel teams that are going to play better it takes a long time for the markets to catch up to them and of course you know there aren't a lot of recreational betters playing western illinois games or you know wyoming games or anything like that but it still takes time for the books to make their adjustments because again, their focus right now is making sure that they've got the top 25, the top 50 types of teams accurately power rated and lined. So these are things that we talked about early on in the season here that we should get, you know, at least three or four games of value out of, if not more. Yeah, I think so as, as well. And I think that, you know, talking about teams that are bad teams that could be good underdogs, is probably about the best value you could find on those. And the other one that I think that, you know, I want to keep revisiting throughout the course of the season is the tempo changes. Obviously, once we get really deep into the season, everybody will know about them. So for the first few weeks of the season, let's revisit the tempo changes as well. 
Yeah, we'll definitely work some more on that stuff next week. And, you know, as we've got more of a feel for the market, some more data points for these teams, because they're going to be playing, you know, some back-to-back situations here this week in these neutral site games and, and all that, we're going to start to get a little bit more of an idea of what we have to work with. And again, uh, of the teams that have made changes that, you know, could possibly be sticking here as this season goes along. And we are dealing with really small sample sizes right now, to say the least, but you know, you still want to look to play either on or against some of those outliers that are out there. And you do have a couple of regression candidates here, particularly from beyond the arc. Yeah. um, This is something I want to work in more as we go, obviously too. And we'll have quite a few of these. I know that um, several listeners have said that they like the regression stats and, you know, it fits both your and my uh, handicapping profile pretty well. So, you know, here's a couple that stand out to me though. Southeast Louisiana shooting 12.8% from three point range in three games. I mean, nobody can be that bad at shooting threes, can they? I mean, obviously they're not going to be that bad, but I mean, this is a this is a regression candidate that they have to get better from three point range. They can't shoot that bad. I mean, you know, I could go shoot better than twelve point eight percent from three point range now, and I haven't picked up a basketball in a long time. But you know, on the other hand, you've got Abilene Christian shooting fifty four and a half percent from long range in four games. This team is not going to continue to shoot fifty four and a half percent. Look what they shot last year; they were below thirty two percent. Two years ago, 37% from three-point range. This is not going to continue. Abilene Christian unders, I think, could have value going forward because Abilene Christian does play good defense. I don't think they keep shooting the ball the way they have been. Well, and again, you know, if, if you want Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State and, you know, North Carolina and all those types of teams, we'll talk about them as we go throughout the season. But both Kyle and I firmly believe that the way to make good money in the college basketball season is to dig very deep. We're going to talk about the Summit League and the Big Sky and the uh, what Big West and the Southland. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Atlantic Sun at some point and a bunch of those conferences that are way under the radar. You know what? Winning 100 bucks in an ACC game is the same as winning 100 bucks in a Big West game or in a Conference USA game or something like that. We just personally believe it, and Kyle's been an excellent college basketball handicapper for a long time, that – you're going to find more line equity and more value in these smaller conferences. Right. And the other thing is that, you know, if you want to listen to just Kentucky and and Kansas or Duke, there's lots of uh, podcasts that are going to give you that lots of TV that's going to give you uh, prep for those games. There's not very many people that are going to talk about the games that we do here. And I think that that also um, helps things because, you know, we're talking about things that have a lot of value and you're not going to hear it elsewhere. Yeah, and again, it's it's very important to isolate these things early on in the process as much as you possibly can because you know you will be able to make money off of them, especially in these lower conferences, well below mid-majors is what we're kind of talking about here. Although there is one game you want to touch on real quickly, and I guess it's a good idea to sort of give our listeners a little bit of a view into how you handicap college basketball, into what you're looking for. And excuse me, you're looking at this North Texas and Mississippi State game here coming up this week. Yeah, I think Grant McCasland is a really good coach. I think he's a tremendous coach. North Texas had really bad luck on defense last year, according to shot quality metrics from dribble handoff. If you look at North Texas, they're a team that just got beat by Arkansas, uh, 69 to 54. So the markets aren't going to be terribly high on them coming into this game. Mississippi State, a team that lost a lot from last season. Mississippi State without um, you know, their top two players from last year, 
uh, maybe top three players from last year, um, arguably. Mississippi State's offense is way down from a year ago. North Texas is very efficient on offense. They're going to continue to be very efficient on offense. I think Ben Howland's team will improve throughout the course of the season. But I think North Texas is a live dog in this game. I think, you know, uh, KP, uh, Ken Palm has this at four. I don't know what Bart Torvik has this at. I think if this line comes out at four or better for North Texas, I will have North Texas on my card for Friday. I think North Texas is a team that that could surprise people quite a bit this season. And I think Mississippi State is the right type of team to fade right now because Mississippi State really lost a lot from last year. People think, well, Mississippi State was a pretty good team last year. They went 20 and 11. They're not going to be that good this season. And North Texas, a team that comes into this game with nothing to lose. Um, I think they, they, they prove a point here. And I think they could win this game outright. Yeah, it's a Friday night game uh, here. North Texas and Mississippi State. Torvik's got North Texas minus 1.2 for what it's worth. Everything obviously very dynamic right now with these rankings, websites, and all of that as we get more data points and the schedule fills out and all those kinds of things. But uh, we'll have some talking points for next week. We can kind of talk about continuity, returning production, how much that matters for you, some of these tempo changes, and all that kind of thing. It's a very big puzzle with a lot of pieces that we got to put together for college basketball. We'll try to do that as much as we possibly can here over the next several weeks of shows with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, what's going on over at the website right now, man? Well, I've got my college basketball season pass up there. Reduced the price here to four seventy nine dollars for the, the season. You'll get plenty of plays. Um, nine and six so far this year, two and oh on the top rated plays. I don't have top-rated plays that often throughout the course of the season, but there's more of them at the beginning of the year than there are at the end of the year based on, you know, my line's going to be more different at the beginning of the year compared to what it will at the end of the year. Um, So check that one out if you haven't already and you're interested. Um, Also have the free picks newsletter over there at huntersportsfix.com. If you sign up there, um, you'll have a link to register for the website. You register for the website, you can get a free premium play as well. So sign up for that if you haven't already. Definitely a good idea. And again, uh, glad to hear you're off to a good start in college hoops. Hopefully it continues for you. And uh, hopefully the season continues going at the pace that it's at here on the college hardwood. Uh, We'll we'll bring back the handicapping the hardwood full show here uh, in a few weeks time. So that should be a whole lot of fun, but Kyle, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks man. Take care. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Sign up for that free picks newsletter. And of course, keep coming back to the show here because we're going to give you a lot of college basketball information that I guarantee you will not hear anywhere else in this industry. Coming up on Thursday, we'll chat with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Then Friday, my Circus Sports Million picks for week 13 in the NFL. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.